gonna see a victory today, Lord. I'm gonna see today, a Lord. victory. Oh, for the battle belongs to Ooh. you, Lord. Amen and amen, amen. Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. I, I gotta move on because we got baptisms today. I'm excited for this. Thank you, Jesus. Before I do, before you're seated, before you're seated, I want to show you something real quick. So in all of Scripture, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why, but I don't always understand it. In all of Scripture, you know what animal we are compared to the most? I wish it was something awesome. I wish it was like a, like a bear or, a, or, a, or a, a honey badger or something, you know, something, something cool. You know what we're compared to most often? Sheep. We are like sheep. One of the biggest reasons we are like sheep is because we get very nearsighted. We can only see what's like right in front of us, and we can't see beyond it. That's why sheep need a shepherd, because they can't see the wolf coming. They need someone to point out, don't do that. Don't go there. Someone that can see what they can't see. I want to show you this real quick because I think that many of us are just like the sheep. God will pull us out of a mess and then maybe you've seen this before. You, you, you know what happens. You got that for me, Karina? Give, or, I'm sorry, Tiana, back there. Give me that. Right? God, we got a good shepherd, right? He's got us. Come on, somebody. That's me stuck in there. But God is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for deliverance. Thank you, God. You're, you're so good to me. Jesus. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And yet it feels like, it feels like so often, so often, what I'll do is I will confuse the goodness of God with the absence of problems in my life. I'll confuse the presence of God with the absence of problems in my life. But I'm just curious today. I'm just curious. Is it possible that I can have God's presence and my problems in the same place at the same time? I can be aware I've got problems, but I'm also fully aware I've got a great big God. Amen. As you're still standing, let me just read a couple of scriptures to you, and then you'll be seated here. Second Kings, Second Kings. Thank you, worship team. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. Second Kings chapter six. I don't keep going, my guy. You're gonna be all excited again. I'm gonna bring it down. Bring it down. I'm a worshiper, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry if you didn't know that. All right? You get me going. I just don't want to stop. But we've got. I've got things I've got to accomplish today, all right? Here we go. 2 Kings chapter 6. When the king of Syria was at war with Israel, he, the king would confer with his officers that he would say something like this. Let us mobilize our forces at such and such a place. Okay? Conferring with his officials. But immediately, the prophet, a man named Elisha, the man of God, would then warn his king, the king of Israel, do not go near that place. For the Syrians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to that place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha would warn the king so that the king would be on alert there. And the king of Syria became, can you blame him, enraged over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is a traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now I know that would tick me off. Come on, somebody. Can I just tell you today, do you know that you, you ticked Satan off when you decided to show up in the house of God today? 
Do you know that you were making the enemy just a little bit of mad because he's been bringing all sorts of stuff against you, but you decided to throw up your hands and praise God anyway. Come on. Satan's been busy setting traps and trying to set distractions and doing everything he can to destroy your life, and he's doing everything he can to make you bitter and make you envious and make you feel and stay depressed and make you feel worse than and less than and try to keep you bound up by sin, but here's the thing. Even when he couldn't get me to go crazy, even when he couldn't touch my family, he he couldn't touch my finances and he tried even when he tried to touch my, my church and my pastor here I am today Satan thought I was going to stay home and sleep in and just take it easy but devil I came to remind you here today in spite of everything you've done to ruin me I'm still here somebody take 22 seconds for this year and embarrass the enemy and let him know what you did hurt me ah but guess what I'm still still here what you did hurt me but i am here it didn't work amen are right, you gonna be seated you can be seated amen you've never been in one of these kind of crazy churches before welcome i'm glad you're here the word of god excites me its truth excites me so forgive my passion i pray you catch a little bit of it today amen here we have this the situation where the enemies of Israel are so enraged because no matter what they did, they could not, they could not stop, they could not bring down, they could not destroy God's people. Here's the crazy thing why. It wasn't because they were such skilled warriors or because they were such powerful uh, people of prayer. The Bible just simply tells us the only reason they couldn't bring down God's people is because they had someone on the inside to warn them. Just look at somebody next to you real quick and just let them know, I've got somebody on the inside. And it makes the devil mad. I've got somebody on the inside. This, this king of Syria was, was, was angry because every time he tried to attack God's people, every place he tried to attack God's people, there was a, I don't want us to call him a 007 agent, right? A, a, uh, a spy, if you will. We, the Bible calls him a prophet. I get that. But, but the Holy Spirit would reveal to Elisha the, the exact location where the enemy was about to attack. Here's the point I'm, I'm trying to get to you today. In order for some of you to win in this season of your life, you're going to have to start seeing some things with your spirit and not always looking at them with your senses. Should I say it again? I feel like there's a victory for some of you in this season. I really do. But in order for you to obtain that victory in this season, you've got to stop looking at everything with your senses. And you've got to start seeing it with your, your spirit. Your spirit. I, I don't know about you, but have you ever just kind of looked at your situation and just gotten so angry with yourself when you realized, I am fighting and losing a lot of battles I could have just avoided? If only I would have listened to what was on the inside instead of just responding to what I was seeing on the, on the outside. See, some of the battles that I've fought and I've lost were because I was in the place I never should have been. Oh, Lord, it's getting really quiet all of a sudden. How does he know where I've been? Oh, well, I see you losing. So clearly, you're in some places you never should have been. Right? And, and here's what I mean losing. I don't mean just losing physical battles. I, I believe that sometimes what, what God is trying to do is he's trying to warn us about those places that we go mentally. Those places that we go 
emotionally, right? You know, every, every time you go to that place, you start feeling judgmental, right? God's trying to warn you about that. Every time you go to that place uh, mentally, you start to get angry, right? Because you remember what was done to you. And God's trying to warn you, don't go, don't go back there. And every time you go back there emotionally, you feel lonely again. And, and I'm, I'm missing out on, on something in life. And God's like, don't go back there because you're going to start swiping, swiping right here. you got to be careful. Don't go back there. Don't, don't do that because, because maybe it isn't always a physical battle. Sometimes God is trying to warn my, my mind and, and my emotions. Do not go back there because if I go back there and mentally and emotionally guess what I might do I might go back there physically and, and I might go back to drinking and I might go back to the drugs and I, I might go back to sleeping around and, and I might go back to those things and I, I just I just need to ask anybody in this room have you lived long enough to know the places where you are the most vulnerable and I don't need to keep going back there there's a, there's a, a certain place where the enemy intends to attack you and and Satan He's not the smartest cookie uh, on the cookie cutter board or whatever. He's, he's not the, in the cookie jar. He's not the smartest. But he's the, he's the best at human observance. And all he's got to do is watch. If I just throw this at them again, look how easy that was. It was the same exact stumbling block. It was the same exact situation. It was the same exact person. And they jumped right back in again. And there's certain places I believe the enemy is intending to attack us, but here's what happened for Israel. The king had somebody on the inside. Elisha feeding him information, letting him know, don't go there. Don't, don't do that. It's a trap. Don't do it. Hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody on the inside? I went to a Sox game the other night. The problem wasn't the game. The problem was getting there. Wouldn't it be nice, Michael, if I had somebody who could forewarn me about a two-plus-hour traffic jam because of Lollapalooza, if I had somebody on the inside telling me, don't go there. Because, Pastor, we know how much you hate traffic. We know how easy you lose your salvation in traffic. <laughs> Don't go there. Anybody into to buying, selling, trading stocks, uh, anything along those lines? Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody on the inside who could tell me, sell now. Somebody tell me, buy now. Pastor, that's illegal. It's insider trading. Oops, you're right. Okay, wouldn't it be nice if somebody made you tacos so you weren't at the Taco Bell drive through at 11.30 p.m.? Somebody on the inside. Wouldn't it be nice to have that? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if before Jesus went back to heaven, he decided to send down his spirits who would live in us and be with us forever? Wouldn't it be nice if we could call him the spirit of truth and the spirit of, of the living God? It wouldn't be nice if he could, on the inside of us, say something like, uh, don't go there and uh, don't, don't think that and uh, don't believe that and, and, and don't say that and, and don't hang out with those people and don't compare yourself to them anymore and don't act that way anymore and don't believe Satan's lies anymore. Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody on the inside? Oh, wait! 
John 16 verse 13 but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak his own he will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come I came to tell you I've got somebody on the inside and he already knows where the attack is gonna happen And that's why I believe some of you today are going to start to graduate, finally, from fighting certain battles. Okay? Here's why you're going to graduate from fighting them. Because you're finally going to start avoiding certain battles. Woo! I got someone on the inside. Don't go there. Don't go there. Oh. I feel like we'll be singing this song at the end of the service. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. And here's what we're going to be looking at you, and we're going to be, we, we, we're going to be knowing what you're going through. We're going to think they're going to be over there fighting and swinging and praising. You're just going to be chilling in the presence of God. Well, how come you aren't swinging? How come you're just chilling? Oh, maybe just maybe you learned how to fight your battles. Maybe, maybe just maybe you're going to win this certain battle not by swinging at it. You're going to win it by staying away from it from now on. Ooh, you're going to live in some victory. Why? Because you've got someone on the inside telling you, don't go there. Don't say that. Don't return that text. Don't act like they act. Don't talk back. Don't, don't, don't do that. Tell somebody, I got someone on the inside. Come on, I got somebody on the inside. I, I'm speaking to the people who plan on winning in this season. You've got someone on the inside. I'm speaking to people who plan on succeeding in this season. You've got someone on the inside. I'm preaching to somebody in this place who doesn't plan on dying anymore. You plan on living in this time of your life. You've got someone on the inside. On the inside. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. Go and find out where this Elisha is, the king commanded because I'm going to send troops to seize him. This text just cracks me up because I know it's getting ready to come, so I, I can't help but giggle when I read this. I'm going to send troops to capture this guy. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to stop him. And so the record, report came back. Elisha's at this place called Dothan. So one night, the king of Syria sent, check this out, a great army with many chariots and many horses to surround the city. A great army to go take out what is he, Rambo? <laughs> one, one guy. So, okay, okay. He's so determined to get rid of Elisha because Elisha is a problem. Listen to me. I know that Satan has caused you some problems, but can I ask you today, are you a problem for Satan? Maybe you don't realize this, but the moment you decided, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to live out the purpose Jesus has for my life. Was the moment that ultimately the enemy was just like, it's time to set out some special forces to take that brother out, to take that sister out. And, and maybe you feel this way. Maybe you can raise your hand with me and say, have you, has there ever been a time in your life where something bad has happened and it made you question whether or not God even loves you? Come on, anybody, anybody honest? Like multiple bad things have happened. God, do you even love me? Do, do you even care about me at all? Okay, okay, so that's, that's the majority of us. Okay, yeah. I, I, I've, I've felt that way before, and I just want to encourage you with this, because I believe that the reason you've, that literally you have some of the problems you have is because you are such a problem for the enemy, and that's why so many problems come against you. If you're ever wondering, what's the gauge? How, how do I know that God has a big purpose on my life? Here's how, you, here's how you gauge it. I know the size of my purpose by the size of the problems the enemy brings against my life. 
This is why Paul taught us in Romans chapter 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us produce perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. I don't have to question it. I know he loves me because he's given me someone on the inside, the Holy Spirit to fill my heart with his love. All right, but that's not what I want to preach. What I really want to preach is this. Verse 15. Verse 15 says this from 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God, this could be Gehazi, Elisha, it was one of his servants. Okay, We don't get his name here. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Someone say everywhere. Okay. All around, surrounding the city. Oh, no, my Lord. What shall we do? This young servant cried out to Elisha. Okay, come on now. Imagine this. Waking up tomorrow morning. Okay. Looking out. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Right? Whatever you say when you first get up. I got to use the bathroom. Whatever it is. I don't know. You look outside the window and you're just like. How do I handle this? <laughs> how, do I, how do I deal with this? Maybe that's you today. Maybe it wasn't this morning, but maybe recently you woke up and you're just like, I'm facing something that looks impossible. How do I handle this? What, what am I supposed to do? Michael, let's give him a, a visual quick. Come stand right down for just a moment. Just stand right down front there for a moment. Michael's going to be the servant of the man of God. Just stand on the servant and face those beautiful people. Look at that handsome man. Can I get like, I don't know, maybe four or five people that are under, uh, under five foot five? Maybe. Sorry, sir. I'm just, uh, anybody? Thank you, Jess. Amen. There you go. There's this beautiful bride coming. Thank you, Des. Amen. Right on. All right, Liz. There we go. I, I, well, okay. Yeah, right on. Okay, good. good. Just sur- ladies, just surround him. Just surround him. Just surround him for a moment. Just surround him. Step forward a little bit, sir. They got to surround you. They got to surround you. There we go. Step forward. Nice. Yeah, you surround him. Okay. So we got, we got the servant. He's, all he sees is that we are surrounded on every side. Then you got the man of God. Here, I'll play Elisha for a moment. Okay. I'm Elisha. Then you got the man of God who's, who's literally, he's the one who could tell the king of Israel, hey, this is where the attack is going to happen uh, against our nation. Here's my question. If the man of God knew where Israel was always going to be attacked, how come the man of God couldn't see when he was about to be attacked? Come on, ladies and gentlemen, you know how easy it is to give other people advice about their marriage and give other people advice about their children and give other people advice about their money. And and you can see all their problems and how to fix their problems. How come you can't see so clearly when you are under attack and your marriage is under attack and your children are under attack? How come you can't see that as clearly? Ooh, am I doing okay? I feel like people are just staring a hole at me right now, Michael. <laughs> What's he talking about? Okay. So the servant says to Elisha, he says, my Lord, what are, what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. And I love Elisha's response. He just simply says, servant, don't be afraid. Michael, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> uh, don't be afraid. 
Now, I bet for a moment, if I was that servant, I would have been like, what do you mean, don't be afraid? These are trained Syrian soldiers, warriors, okay? These are, these are hand-picked warriors. Clearly, this is like the special forces of Syria coming to destroy us. What do you mean, don't be afraid? And I want you to look at the verse with me. Look at verse 16 with me. He says, don't be afraid. Why? For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more more. Someone say more. More. Not just in quantity. More in sovereignty. There are more with us than are with them. I love verse 17. Here it is. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked around and here's what he saw. He saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can I get maybe just a couple people who are over the size of five foot five? Yeah. Can I get a hit? Can I get like, 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 there we go. Come on. Come on, Jim. I see you back there. There you go, Tom. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. Jordan, better move up here. Come on, Kenny. Y'all better move up here. I want you to surround the thing that is surrounding Micah right now. I want, there you go, Dominic. Surround. Surround it. Surround it. Let me read this verse again. And Elisha prayed, Lord, Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, Michael, let's close our eyes and pray. Because if we're servants, we're thinking, all right, God's about to do something amazing. I'm going to close my eyes. Elisha's going to pray. And when I open up my eyes, God's going to destroy all of my enemies. And Elisha prays, God, open up the eyes of your servant that he may see. And Michael, open up your eyes. And what do you see? You still see the same enemy that you saw before you prayed. Is this not the tension of our daily life? God, where are you? All I see is my problem. All around me and I just want to tell you today as much as you want God to fix your problem God is trying to fix your focus that's his effort and that's his attempt I need you to see just a little differently but, 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 but. what are those moments when I don't see God working in my life I'm, I'm praying and I'm asking God I don't, I don't see you working the problem may not be his presence or his power the problem might just simply be my spiritual eyesight. Y'all don't move this yet. Stay right there. You throw up there, Tiana, throw up there Ephesians 1 for me. Paul actually reiterates this very thing that Elisha prayed. He says it like this. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Check this out. I pray that the eyes of your hearts... Your spiritual eyes would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you, the riches of glory and inheritance of his holy people. Elisha prays a prayer that I pray you'll start to pray over your life and over your husband and over your wife and over your children and over your boss and over your place of employment. Pray this prayer like Elisha prayed. Lord, open their eyes. Because Michael, though you saw what just was around you in the immediate moment, once your eyes were open, once your spiritual eyes could see, you notice what is around, so what is surrounding me is nowhere near as big and as powerful and as awesome as what is surrounding me. It's surrounding my problem right here. It's bigger than all of them. Here's what I want to tell somebody here today. God didn't answer 
Elisha's prayer by eliminating his enemies. God answered Elisha's prayer by illuminating his presence. I didn't get rid of the bad guys. I just showed you you've got bigger backup. Come on, somebody. Come on, I don't know how you're praying today. Y'all are good. Get out of here. You're good. You're good. But I want to declare to somebody here today, I see my big problem, but there's something bigger than my problem. It's called my heavenly backup. It's called the armies of heaven. It's called angelic hosts. It's called the spirit of the living God. It looks like I'm surrounded, but if I could just open up my eyes and see the invisible, I can face the impossible right in front of me because God has got me surrounded on every side. Elisha prayed. Michael opens up his eyes. And notice, the help did not come. The help was already there. I just didn't see it before. You're begging and pleading and fasting and praying for something that you just don't yet see. But I dare you to believe it's already it's already there. Michael and Jessica, it's already there. Come on, declare it of your family. I don't yet see it, but that doesn't mean it's not already there. I don't see it for my health yet, but that doesn't mean it's not already there. I don't see it for this ministry yet, but that doesn't mean it's not already there. I don't yet see it, but I don't realize it's already there. It's already there. Yes, your battle may be big, but your backup's bigger. Let me close with this. Verse 18 just tells us this really simply. It says, the enemy came down towards them. You can read the rest of it for yourself, but it's so cool. Because in these moments, I, I would figure, right? Oh, hey, God's got my enemy surrounded. The thing surrounding me is surrounded by the Almighty. It's over. It's done. The Bible says the enemy still came at them. But in that same moment, just read it later. Elisha able to literally pray again, and the entire army is blinded. A whole text about perception and sight. An entire army ready to destroy him. And he prays one prayer, and the entire army is blinded. Then guess what he does? He leads that army right into the presence of his king. Ooh, read the text. It's amazing. Now, at that moment, the king's like, my lord, should we destroy them? Should we kill them all? No. No. These are your guests. Ooh, I feel like I'm beginning to get an understanding in the old covenant of what's to come in the new covenant. Under the old covenant, I just kill my enemies. Under the new covenant, I love them and pray for them and welcome them and bless them. But what if they're pro-life? I love them and pray for them. But what if they're pro-choice? I love them and pray for them. And I'll, I'll, I'll save my biblical opinion for next week. I'm not coming then. Okay, cool. But I'm smart enough to realize in such a heated environment, I'll let the Spirit of God keep revealing truth to you because you got someone on the inside. You've got someone on the, on the inside. My job is not to condemn your political point of view. My job is to remind you you're not of this earth anyway. There's another government and another policy and another kingdom that I'm a part of. 
And that, that is what you will hear me back up. That's what you will hear me declare. That's, that's my soapbox I will stand on. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, as much as you may not believe this, the Constitution of the United States is not found in this book. <laughs> I'm sorry. And as, as much as you may think this, Jesus was not an um, American patriot. Okay. And, and as much as you want to believe in some form or fashion that your political point of view is right, God does not care about your American rights. He wants you to realize you are a citizen of heaven. And you've got someone on the inside reminding you, you're not of this earth. It's temporary. You're just an alien and a foreigner passing through on your way to somewhere else. How am I doing politically, y'all? I don't get Because I'm not going to get political. I'm going to stay biblical with you. That's my job, to remind you what this book says right here. What if they don't vote the way I vote? Love them. Welcome them. Pray for them. What if they don't believe anything I believe? Love them. Welcome them. Pray for them. You really want to kill them, then go back under the old covenant. But I'll take this new one, this covenant of grace. Thank you. Thank you. And here comes the problem. Elisha keeps praying, and the problem keeps coming. Can I tell you today, as I started off this whole message, the proof of the presence of God is not that your problems will disappear. The proof of the presence of God is that he has your problem surrounded on every side, and therefore your problem cannot take you out. Your problem cannot destroy you. That is the proof of the presence of God. Yes, problems come. Yes, the enemy comes. Yes, demons come. Yes, depression comes. Yes, anxiety comes. Yes, panic attacks come. Yes, you can almost lose your mind and be ready to give up, but I want to remind you, there are more that are for you than everything that is against you. So tomorrow morning when you wake up and you open up your eyes, guess what's still going to be there? Your problems. And guess who else is going to be there? Someone greater. Ooh, this is why First John reminds us, greater is he that is Come on, somebody. I got someone on the inside. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So the proof of God's presence is not that we don't have problems. The proof of God's presence is that in the problem, I still have his presence. It's still here with me. The proof of his presence right there in the middle of the problem. I would never know he was a healer if I, never, if I was never sick. I would never know he was a comforter if I was never broken. I would never know he's the Prince of Peace if I didn't know chaos in my mind. I didn't know he could break the yoke of bondage if I never felt oppressed and depressed. I would, I would never know that he is the provider if I never knew what it was to be impoverished and in lack. I would never know that he's the savior if I did not know I was a sinner in need of salvation. Can you stand your feet with me today? Because here's what I want, here's how I want to end this service. I want to declare to Satan, this is how I fight my battles, devil. And this is how I win them. 
I don't ask God to take my problem away. I ask my eyes to be open to see I've got a God right here with me that is greater than my problems. I used to say this all the time when I first started preaching. Oh, bring it back. Here's some Pastor Jamin Becker circa 1999 when I was 18 years old. I used to tell people, before I ever go and tell God about my problems, I'm going to talk to my problem and tell it about my great God. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. He's already here. He's already here. So if you serve a mediocre God, give him a mediocre praise. If you serve a good God, give him a good praise. But if you serve a great God, give him a great praise today. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, shout. Come on, let the devil know. You can't ruin me. You can't destroy me. You can come at me. But greater is he on the inside than anything going on around me. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Give it to God. Give it to God. Give it to God today. Hey, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. Can you lift your hands and say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm Lift your voice to the Lord and cry. It looks like I'm surrounded, but Before Pastor Olga comes and we begin to celebrate those who are making their decision to follow Jesus in water baptism, let me pray this right now. For everyone in this room that's facing a problem, I'm praying that your spiritual eyes will be opened. If you can, for just a moment, if you would, just lift your hands with me to the Lord. Let me just pray over you just for a moment. Heavenly Father, I ask right now that the lyrics to this song become the reality of our sight. Lord, open up his eyes. Lord, open up her eyes. I don't mean your physical eye. I mean, Lord, open up the eyes of our hearts. Enlighten us to see the glorious riches that are all around us. God, open up the eyes of our heart to see we've got warring angels right here on our side surrounding the thing that has got me surrounded it's keeping back the hand of death it's keeping back the hand of poverty it's keeping back the hand of sickness it's keeping back the power of the enemy god open up my eyes to see that every time the, the flesh tried to pull me away there was your spirits pulling me back God, open my eyes to see more than just what's happening around me. Help me to see the work you're trying to do on the inside of me. Making me more like Jesus and less like myself. Father, open up my eyes that I can see you today. In Jesus' mighty name. Let all God's people shout amen today. Amen. amen. If you are far from God, you don't have to be. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus left heaven to come to earth because there was no way we could get to the Father. So Jesus came and made a way. Maybe you don't believe this about yourself, 
but you are a sinner in need of a savior and this savior can transform your life he won't just he won't just help you feel better he will make you better and this is the promise of the gospel that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is my Lord and we literally we, we pray the prayer, a simple prayer uh, of salvation, believing in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. We will be saved. I don't even have to attribute this to a prayer. It's real simple. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you know you were a sinner, but he died for your sins? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Do you believe you're going to be with him forever? If you believe that, the Bible says you are saved. It's that simple. But just in case you didn't get it the first time, everyone close your eyes and repeat after me. And let's talk to God. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I ask you now to forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me for all the wrong I've ever done. Forgive me for my selfishness and my pride. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, but I also recognize you are the Savior. And I ask you now to wash me clean. Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe in his sacrifice. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe he's at your right hands, preparing a place for me to be with you forever. Help me now, God, to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Woo! The Bible tells us right now in heaven the angels rejoice because of what you just prayed. They rejoice when a sinner comes home to the Savior. Amen.